0: Welcome back, you're listening to In-Situ Science, For each episode we meet a scientist and find out what it is they do and why they do it. I'm your host, James O'Hanlon, and this episode, I'm joined by citizen scientist, science communicator and spider whisperer, Stuart Harris. Stuart, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, James, how are you?
0: Good, thanks. Now, I'm coming up close to 50 episodes on this podcast, awesome. so I've talked to a lot of people. But of all of them, you're my first film star.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not porn
1: either, not porn. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah.
0: no, a genuine uh, yeah. documentary. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> which, it. Which is probably where most people would have heard of you if they're familiar with your work.
1: Quite possibly, yeah.
0: From yeah. this film, Maratus, which is, kind of chronicles the story of you going from an avid bushwalker to. Explorer, discoverer of new species. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In a nutshell, yeah. So the the story starts with you going out, uh, taking photographs on a bushwalk, and seeing something on a on a leaf. That's correct, yeah.
1: A, a blue and red spider. A yeah. Little blue and red spider on a yellow leaf. So aesthetically, it was quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. It struck my eye. I wasn't looking for spiders. I had a new macro lens. For my camera i've been doing photography for since i was a teenager mm-hmm. and um which is a while ago <laughs> and, and uh you know i'd got into bird photography i'd been in bird photography for about 10 years mm-hmm. and and been satisfied with uh that pursuit and had a big long lens for that mm-hmm. big phallic lens <laughs> so i got a little tiny little stumpy lens Called a macro lens, and uh, you do feel very confident walking around right. with a decent birding lens. I thought it's I'd a... downsize and uh, go and try it out. And so as they say it's not what you got, it's what you do with it. So with this little macro lens, I went off to a uh, a popular bush walk south of Canberra, about fifty k south, called Buruma Rocks, and uh, mm-hmm. and walked up the track. And, and yes, I uh, took photo of numerous little things, mainly invertebrates, mm-hmm. flowers, etc. And then um, here was this photo of the here was this little red and blue spider on a, on a yellow leaf and um, took the photo and kept taking photos, finished the day, went home, put it on Flickr, which mm-hmm. is a social uh, media sort of photo-sharing um, site and uh, and then it all started to happen then, really. I um, and I had no idea the significance of this photo but uh, started getting a general sort of observers saying, oh, a nice photo, pretty mm-hmm. spider... Mm-hmm. And then a chap from America, a name man by the name of Dr. David Hill. Luckily, saw it and said, "Ooh, this might be a new species of Maratus, uh, new to science." Mm-hmm. Um, little did I know, he was a salticid or a jumping spider expert.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, somehow, he saw the photograph, and um, yeah, so his collaborator in uh, Australia is a Dr. Jürgen Otto, a mite mm-hmm. expert, who had himself, only just a a couple of years before, stumbled across a peacock spider north of Sydney and photographed it and became, um, you know, enthralled by Mm -hmm. this particular genus. And so, yeah, they put their heads together and said, hey, you better go and find a You better go and
0: find it. (laughs) So to, to paint a picture for people that aren't familiar with peacock spiders, these are spectacular little critters. These are little things that, you know, the size of your fingernail. Even smaller. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you chew your fingernails, maybe. But <laughs> uh, the the metaphor I use is a grain of rice. Oh,
0: okay. I think about a grain
1: of rice because yeah. they range in size, and you measure a spider from eye to ass, as they say, <laughs> and so from two, two and a half to six millimeters is their range. Wow. Size range. And they're sort of square, chunky little things. Mm-hmm.
0: But, they have but this, all their
1: all their gears folded up.
0: yeah but So the, they have a spectacular uh, what is it? An abdominal. Pistosoma.
1: Oh. There you go. There's a bit of a there you go. A citizen science <laughs> using scientific words. The I back end of a spider. I, think. I can even spell it. But commonly known as a fan.
0: All right. Or flaps. Yeah. And you probably guessed by the name that it's a big, bright, colourful thing. They correct. Display. Yeah. Peacock. The peacock.
1: Yeah. Sort of intimation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peacock spider. Yep.
0: All right. And so you found this, the spider. Yep. You looked at it and thought, oh, that's pretty. You've got these people contact you out of the blue. Thing what is this thing where is it how do we get one Mm. at what point did you know you were onto something interesting well at that time where this chap said that
1: it was a new species a little light globe flashed above my head and i immediately felt sort of empowered and Mm. significant Mm. i felt good yeah and i and energized so you know i like going bush anyway just for the fact the pure purpose of being in the bush. Yeah. So this gave me a purpose. <laughs> a more of a focused purpose. So I think I went back out to Bromba Rocks, especially in the first year. Um, every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You now it's a fifty K drive from my home mm-hmm. or my former home. Yeah, so, you know, a bit of petrol money and time mm-hmm. and, and all that. But it, You know, at least I didn't find it near a rubbish tip or something like that or a construction (laughs) site. It's a nice place to visit. It was a nice place to go. (laughs) And at the time, my partner at the time, she was also keen on bushwalking and just Mm. having a little picnic. So, Mm. yeah. But I didn't know anything about the behaviour or the life cycle of this creature then. Yeah. So I was looking throughout the winter when they were in (laughs) dormancy or, you know, torpor, so there's no way I was going to find it. Mm. But still, it it was nice. So I calculated... um, Well, I'll push it forward a few years, three Mm. years in fact. Um, It was approximately 150 hours I searched for
0: this critter um,
1: before the Eureka moment.
0: So you first saw it in 2008. Photographed in 2008.
1: Started looking probably in 2009. Mm -hmm. And on the 22nd of October 2011, it was the Eureka day.
0: Did that just drive you mad? Were you seeing spiders in your sleep? Oh. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so sort of, you do doubt yourself after a while. Yeah. You, you think, why am I doing this? How <laughs> can I? Luckily, I, I'm not, I wasn't married, I didn't have children or a mortgage, so I could justify yeah. this gross usage of time. But uh, <laughs> some people would have difficulty, I presume, in doing that. But, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. So that's what happened. And so you eventually find this again three years later... It was confirmed to be a new species. And it's been named after you. Yeah,
1: well, Dr. Dr. Otto. Yeah, Dr. (laughs) Otto, yeah. Dr. Otto uh, kept in touch with me throughout those three years. But he, as the film shows, got to a point where he'd almost given up. Mm. But I suppose I I went into this whole chapter with a slight inferiority complex, knowing that I was smarter than what my vocational um what i was actually doing i was smarter than what i was demonstrating i could do Mm. and um so uh i think determination is a quality that not everyone has so i just kept kept at it Mm. and um so it was very very satisfying when i when i finally found this thing and he was amazed that i'd actually found it so he drove down from sydney the next morning and um grabbed the spider mm-hmm. and took it back to mm-hmm. do his taxonomic work mm-hmm. and photography uh, I won't spoil the movie too much but <laughs> I didn't hear from him for about three days and I was going wonder what's going on Yeah, but as it turns out for most of those three days he didn't know where the spider was he lost it <laughs> it got away <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> it actually got away uh, but he found it again okay. and then it behaved itself and he he got some remarkable footage. Yeah. Um, and the movie shows this scene. We reenacted the whole story for the movie. Mm. And, um, yeah, I was blown away. I can still remember the moment sitting down with a laptop at my dining table and watching this spider, which was just a, a little cute little square spider, but, you know, just display itself like a peacock. And mm. it's very unspider behaviour, basically. Yeah. Very un like That's a term I used
0: I mean, peacock spiders are, I like to say, the, the gateway drug of spiders. You know, even if you are a little spider-averse, you can't even at a peacock spider. Even yeah. yeah. so
1: they've really They really have knocked down a lot of barriers, and they're mm. a portal, like you say, to, to that world. Mm. Mm.
0: The
1: visually, their behaviour is interesting as well. They dance.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, they're very personable, like a lot of saltices or jumping spiders, because mm. they're visually orientated. They use their large... Uh, sort of, sort of anterior of eyes at the front to to look at you. So, you know, even in your house, not necessarily just a peacock spider, but any jumping spider will look at you because it's visually, mm. you know, it's visually tracking what you're doing.
0: Yeah, There's big it's cute puppy dog eyes. Oh yeah. <laughs> that well, that's what Jürgen
1: says. He says they remind him of little puppies or little kittens. You know, <laughs> and they have done a lot for spiders in particular. Mm. And, um, and yeah.
0: even in a you know, very metaphorical way, there have been a portal for you. This experience has sort of snowballed into a a career change and a life change, hasn't it? So you're it kind of has, to a degree, yeah, it, it has to a degree. Yeah. yeah. So what were you uh, doing before all this happened? Well, master of nothing, jack of
1: all trades. Really, I, <laughs> I'd done ten years in the military in the in the air force from the mid '80s to the mid '90s, and that was great, great career. Mm-hmm. Never rose to any great heights, um, some highs, some lows. Mm. Um, But, you know, in the military you gain skills that are valuable, you know, accuracy, punctuality, Mm. uh, self-discipline, things of that nature. So these are all life skills that you can apply as a citizen scientist or Mm. a scientist to to your endeavour. So Mm. I was grateful for those skills Mm. and the money that came with it, you know. (laughs) So I've never earned as much money as I had when I was in the military, so... Quite a humble existence these days, but try and get the balance right. I mm. uh, you know, did a lot of things after that. Drove a taxi, worked in hospitals mm. as an orderly. Worked, uh, did a bit of truck driving, uh, a bit of landscaping, you, you name it. Had, had had a go at everything. Mm. And um, even litter picking, litter patrol, picking up litter on the side of the road. <laughs> which, I suppose, we use that chapter in the film. Yeah. Because metaphorically, it shows that, you know, some people just have this propensity to find things or they're curious. And, Mm. you know, even when I was doing my litter patrol, picking up styrofoam McDonald wrappers predominantly, (laughs) um, I find things like dildos or or bocce balls or, um, you know, money on the side of the road. Just really, really weird stuff. Yeah. So every day you'd say, okay, right, I'm going to walk 10 to 15 Kilometres with my little stick, picking <laughs> See up what I can find. <laughs> I'm I'm cleaning the place, and at the same time, who knows what I'll find. Mm. So it was, and, and I'm getting exercise. So yeah, it was a good good job.
0: But now after this whole experience, you're actually working in science communication and outreach.
1: Not so much the outreach, but yes, definitely science communication. Probably mm. in reach. Uh, so at <laughs> Questacon itself. So mm. um, my tenure there started in 2015 when I was approached by a project manager. Who simply said would you like it to run a spider exhibition great and i was like okay <laughs> didn't really give it much thought then afterwards i thought well, what have i got myself in for here <laughs> um i had a few little over the years had a few peacock spiders in my bathtub and containers mm. quite easy to look after yeah but all of a sudden i was responsible for the husbandry of funnel webs and giant water <laughs> spiders and tarantulas so they so you got home pretty quickly <laughs> learn, it was a steep learning curve, but again, I applied a lot of life skills I'd gained through the military and, and life in general, mm-hmm. um, had a great team that I worked with, mm-hmm. a small team, and support from Questacon itself. Mm-hmm. And so that exhibition went for a year, yep. and it was very successful, mm-hmm. it was a great response from the public, and I learnt a heap, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, so there the, the spider tangent really opened up then.
0: Is, is Questacon yeah. as fun a place to work as it sounds? <laughs> um, it was during the spider exhibition. Look, look it still
1: is. I mean, I, I enjoy going to work there. I think everyone enjoys going to work there.
0: You don't get to just take your lunch break and have a go on the earthquake machine or go down the slippery road. Well, dip I actually or, worked at the earthquake do?
1: machine. <laughs> so I really enjoy that. I've uh, Well, when my tenure finished with the spider exhibition, which went for a year. It was a contract. Um, mm-hmm. I then had a few months off, went off looking for spiders around mm-hmm. New South Wales and I um, when I came back, I had no work, so I applied for a gallery assistant role there, mm-hmm. which is your foot soldier, sort of yep. your entry-level uh, role there, which is casual. Mm-hmm. A lot of uni students do it. Yep. So I was you know, twice the age of most of those. But mm-hmm. it's great to work with a young team, and um, there's about 80 or 90 of us. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, there's probably 20 or 30 on every day. Yep. And um, we, we, we augment the visitor experience at Questacon.
0: And when you're not doing that, you're also travelling around and talking to community groups and stuff about.
1: Well, yeah, Questacon. My jobs within the walls of Questacon, the mm-hmm. round walls of Questacon. Um, but uh, um, every now and then, I get little gigs like this one. I've just been on up to um, Inverell and Glen Innes, and mm-hmm. now Armidale, uh, talking to various people about the citizen science experience and mm-hmm. and spiders, peacock spiders in general, because they are very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I've been over to Perth, The environmental group there called Gaia Resources got me over there to talk to some community groups, um, mm. land care groups, uh, naturalist groups. Um, mm. There is a genuine, there's quite a good interest in the subject.
0: Mm. I mean, when you watch the, this film, Moranis, it, it really paints a picture of, uh, I mean, you, you and Jürgen Otto are the two stars of the film, really, and... It paints this picture contrasting the two of you where you're a, a blokey bloke, salt-of-the-earth tapper fella and Jürgen's painted as a very proper... St- Straight-backed. ...European, uh, <laughs> yeah. diligent, a little bit posh sort of character that walks around in his crocs and socks. And
1: That's exactly <laughs> right. The a classic socks
0: <laughs> and sandals sort of
1: um, <laughs> uh, academic stereotype and I'm, I'm the, the, the underachieving, high-acting bogan, I suppose... <laughs>
0: <laughs> but your it, which part title. of it's quite
1: true I mean I've got a that shirt on now haven't I James so, <laughs> well
0: there you in go. the Highlands yeah. although they're, they're in these
1: days and so are beards yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah so uh, you know
0: but I mean having this uh, role now as being a, really a spokesperson for citizen science Yeah. You know, what, what is it working with you know, scientists the, you know, the, the non-citizen scientists are, are, we, are we arrogant are we elitist
1: fantastic question and if I, I'll just step back one step from what you mentioned about um, uh, uh, the film itself, mm. so, and and the uh, differentiating between the scientist and the citizen scientist. Now, mm. in the in the film that was done consciously by Simon Kurnitz, the mm. filmmaker yep. and director, very talented young man. Mm. He actually works for he does docos for SBS the Feed program. All right. So keep your eye out for Simon. He's yet to do a, a feature, but I'm sure it's just around the corner. It's a
0: matter of time. He's his
1: use of symbolism, his use of um, just positioning mm. and editing. You, you realise we had 20 hours of footage from our and he got it down to 30 minutes. <laughs> and so editing isn't just, you know, putting little pauses here and there. It really is. You yeah. can really tell a story effectively by effective editing and he, he, he's just brilliant. Mm. And so, yes, yeah, so we did accentuate the differences in the film mm. to pro- to show that two opposites can collaborate to a successful outcome mm. using that classic triangle symbolism and that, that's effectively what the film yeah, shows yeah. Mm. now the, your question on uh, scientists mm. yes well they come in various shapes and sizes don't they <laughs> and various uh, I, I don't know if there is a common thread between all scientists mm. um, I haven't worked at, I've worked closely with a couple and then you've got arachnologists which are a different sort of <laughs>
0: species of (laughs) the the, the own yeah
1: um i mean i've been a a card-carrying bird nerd Mm. now or bird watcher bird fancier Mm. bird observer for over 20 years yeah so in the mid 90s after i came back from military service overseas i i just started um back home in canberra i started noticing the beauty of birds Mm. and um And joined the local club, and that was just a real steep learning curve. But in Canberra, I think we've got about 400 people in Canberra Ornithological Group, COG, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, some very esteemed people in there, some very learned Mm -hmm. people from CSIRO, from ANU. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you do learn a lot. And so all the time, even though you're just out there looking for birds, you are, by default, taking on all this scientific approach, Mm -hmm. you know, and then when you involve yourself in surveys you're effectively doing science. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's called citizen science.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, So I mean scientists really as we all know they they they're all individuals they're all people. Mm-hmm. The most of them have a soul. <laughs> and um <laughs> and uh but communication like any endeavor in life is the critical ingredient you need. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um where there's a natural bias or well, the the analogy i use is like photography when digital fo- cameras came out mm-hmm. um the poor old photographer inverted mm-hmm. commas started losing jobs because mm-hmm. you know, news outlets and whatnot were using all this plethora of graphic information
0: mm-hmm. that
1: was on the internet they didn't have to employ a photographer yeah, yeah, yeah. so papers lost their photographers photographers I think, in general, it became very grumpy worldwide. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of balancing itself out again now. Mm. And um, I've met a resistance, or from some scientists in that regard, who, for want of a better term, see citizen science as a you know a, a poor form of science or mm. a, a pretend form. Mm. They may try and part their own strict, um, robust regimes on what you do and that's good but i mean it ultimately has to be a synthesis doesn't it
0: yeah Uh, i mean it's it's ironic in that way because particularly this field of uh, invertebrate zoology and discovery really the history of that is in what we'd call amateur scientists it was beetle collectors and butterfly collectors and that you know darwin just loved beetles exactly and he was Charles Darwin, and it's strange that people would be you know, resistant to using information from the general public to to discover new things. That's right. I think, but there is a huge, uh, I guess, push to encourage citizen science. No, there's an Australian Association for Citizen Science that you're you're wearing the branding of mm. very proudly. <laughs> yes, the
1: Australian Citizen Science Association.
0: <laughs> which, I mean, I
1: suppose it's all supply and demand, so with this groundswell mm. of interest in the concept of citizen science. Mm. The fact is it's been going on anyway.
0: Yeah. For instance,
1: the bird watching club I've been a member of for you know, nearly 25 years. I mean, it's citizen science, but mm. now it's got a label, it's got a name. Yeah. Now, I stand corrected, I meant to look it up before I came in today, but I think it was 1985 or 1995, mm-hmm. the term... Citizen science was coined mm-hmm. at Cornell University
0: oh, okay. in America, yeah.
1: and it pertained to ornithology mm-hmm. and I think astronomy. Right. So it's not all about finding furry animals. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, citizen science applies to all the broad spectrum of scientific endeavour. Mm. You know, astronomy, macrobiology, you name it. Mm. I mean, citizens can can involve themselves. Now mm-hmm. it's not also. Finding stuff, getting out there—a mm. massive part of citizen science. I can't overemphasize. This is data entry. All right, yeah. yeah. You know that area that people go, "Ooh,
0: that was great," <laughs> but now I've got to put all the data in.
1: Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? <laughs> mm. And so that's a big part of it.
0: Uh, well, I think it's probably also a part where, if you know, the citizen scientists and scientists are going to lock horns, it might be around there because it's kind of the job of the working scientist to worry about all the little fine details of exactly data rigor and consistency and all that sort of stuff 100 percent. yep and that gets very complicated if say for example you have a team of several hundred citizen scientists collecting your data yep or something like that
1: or just sending you very poor quality photos and saying what's this what's this what's this (laughs) whereas if it was collected in the field by say an entomologist Mm -hmm. they would preserve the creature they would have details of the habitat the time, the place, mm. and all this sort of stuff. So yes, the the, the quality of the data needs to be um, high mm. to share with science. But yeah. as I was talking to a little group last night in Glen you know, you, as a citizen scientist for one of a better term, it's your choice whether you share the data or not. Mm. But there is now probably good reason to
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you look at things like portals for this data, like Atlas of Living Australia, mm-hmm. which is a government repository for Mm. observations on nature yeah. from science or citizen scientists mm. anyone and there's all these other things like iNaturalist um, you know Bowerbird there's all uh, Cameron Nature Map back home where I'm from there's so many portals now where you can funnel information of your observations mm. and they all run towards the Atlas of Living Australia mm. it really is a, and, and it's been used it's mm. been used by scientists and landholders and policymakers to mm. make decisions it's very important information so you know as, as a citizen scientist you can contribute to that
0: yeah, yeah, yeah and it's very interesting seeing areas where citizen scientists are really appreciated and areas where they aren't you, know, you go to i found if i went to a herpetology conference where they're talking about lizards and frogs and things the you know the quote-unquote amateur side of that is really fostered and you'll have people coming on to the conference that just love snakes yep. or that are you know, working in husbandry and that sort of stuff. Whereas yep. you go to, I don't know, something like a a, you know, a spider conference or an insect conference and that's a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more exclusive. Yeah, you have to be there as a scientist or a taxonomist. Or and, the, and the language stuff. too. Yeah, There'll yeah. be a language. Mm. And it's, just, it's like...
1: Um, I was going to say something about Irish, the Irish language, but no. But, um, <laughs> Good for it. Like an heard them an Irishman walked into a room, right? <laughs> <laughs> a non-arachnologist walked into a room full of arachnologists and they knew within seconds that that person wasn't
0: yeah. one of <laughs> them. You know? So like yeah. you
1: said, it is very exclusive. And, uh, yeah. and yeah. so it's quite daunting as someone uh, who's non-qualified uh, academically to talk to these people sometimes. Because you know you've got something to give them. Mm. But um, you're very aware that you, you try and use the right vernacular, mm. you try and express it in the correct way. Yeah. Because right. a lot of these scientists, if I did, could be critical, a lot of them, as soon as you say one thing wrong, that's it, you're, they won't mm, take yeah. you out of what you... you know, And you could, be, you could be responsible for something very magnificent around the corner, but they've cut you off because you didn't cross a T or dot an I. Wow. And so that, as a young or a new citizen scientist... It's quite daunting when you're talking to them.
0: Mm. But do you feel like you've got the hang of it now? You're you're a few years in. You've got. You're uh, to not a just degree, w-
1: and, but it's like <laughs> it's a metaf- it's like life. You know, you're always meeting people that know more. Mm. It's quite humbling, actually. Mm. And you know, like you said, in this role, I've got to sort of talk about citizen science and spiders, etc. I mean, you know, I meet people that have just put so much effort. I mean, I've put a lot of effort into what I've done. Mm. Well, I've met people that have put mountains of effort and time and energy into their pursuits and they've had no recognition whatsoever. Mm. And they're not after recognition. Mm-hmm. So
0: so you, well, you've had a lot of recognition. I've had a lo- lucky break. <laughs> how, did, how did the film come about?
1: Well, um, once I found Harris Eye, and they named it after me in 2011, it got on the front page of the Canberra Times mm. and print media. It's quite slow in its take up. It mm. wasn't the phone wasn't ringing red, you know. Yeah. Um, but luckily, Simon Koonich, the filmmaker and director, who just finished employment with one television company down there, was looking for a subject. It was just he wanted to make films and he was looking to make a documentary. He didn't know what, mm. and he saw my story on I think ABC Online. All right. And um, rang me up and said, "Good day, my name's Simon." I like your story. Um, would you be interested in making a film about it? So, again, like when they asked me to run the spider exhibition, I didn't bat an it. I said, "Yep, let's let's go." All
0: right. And the well, film was quite wildly successful. It took it six months of to make in yep. the,
1: the second half of 2014. Then, um, so like I said, about 20 hours footage over six months mm-hmm. had to recreate a lot of, or well, had, had to recreate <laughs> the whole process that occurred between. Uh, 2008 and 2011 mm. so how
0: was that how i was doing reenactments it was well <laughs> reenactment
1: the key the key word there is act so i actually <laughs> had to act as myself now that's not as easy as you think and no <laughs> of all things oh i'm actually quite proud having watched the movie many times now of, of my efforts to recreate for instance the scene where i see the spider display for the first time i had to recreate the awe that I experienced at the time and I think it comes across quite well mm. on the screen I had to there was one time where I got four mates old mates you know all my age around 50 to come out and you know that, that was hard enough back in 2010 to get all those guys to come out <laughs> um, and at the time there was big rains in Canberra the the park the gate was locked at the bottom, so we did an 18k re- return walk that day. <laughs> but it was a good male bonding session. And <laughs> but to recreate that again four years later
0: yeah.
1: was yeah you know, just as hard. Yeah. But we, we got it done. So there's a lot of realness to the film. And um, for instance, even the the point in the film where I catch the spider mm. is the exact rock where oh, yeah. where where I actually found it. So we took it right back to where um where it all happened.
0: Mm. Yeah. And so the film's gone on to win awards on the same... Yes,
1: yes, quite a few actually. It was just, uh, you know, when you make a film, and I learned a lot about this whole thing, you, you put it on a film circuit, like a documentary film circuit. So you enter the film with a little pricey on the film and the people that organise the, the um, festival either accept it or not, so you don't mm-hmm. get into all documentary mm-hmm. film festivals or short film festivals and we got accepted to quite a few but the first one was the um oh what was it called oh they'll kill me if i get this wrong <laughs> it was a canberra short film not canberra short film festival we can look it up the antenna no that was a sydney one. Oh no stronger than fiction right. or stranger than fiction i always get mixed up stronger or stranger than fiction Strong, stranger, stronger than fiction film festival in Canberra. All right, which is probably came as premier documentary festival. Yep, first premiere. Uh, One hundred and ninety people in the cinema. It's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, just such a buzz. Um, and we won it. We won best film. Wow! And that was voted from the audience. And um, they got the film shown again a week later. And it was just, it was just great. And it all, that was the launching pad. Then we went to the Antenna international documentary festival in sydney which is probably australia's biggest and we won that (laughs) so and sitting in the audience and just hearing people laugh and in some instances you know shed a tear Mm. um was just was just so so satisfying Mm. and all kudos to simon for the way he's made this crafted this film yeah because oh this is a point i don't want to miss james is that um There's a lot of scientific films out there Mm. and shows these amazing feats, these amazing journeys, these amazing creatures. But a lot of them leave the human side out of it. Mm. The fact that people are just normal people, they go to the toilet, they Mm. eat food, they have relationships. (laughs) And these little aspects, yes, even the toilet part, was included (laughs) in our film. Mm. Because that's life. And um, we showed that alongside these journey and alongside this achievement and i think it gives it a wholeness to the and a realness to the to, to the story
0: yeah i think it's a big problem with people's perception of science is that we think that discoveries are always uh, intentional and sought for and well meticulously planned and stuff right. but they're they're, <laughs> they're they're the sort of uh, makeshift discoveries that happen throughout people's lives even professional scientists are busy raising kids and getting sick and... Sitting under trees and apples hitting them on the head and (laughs) things like that. (laughs) Pretty much. So, yeah. And then this is kind of just another example. I mean, do you ever just sort of pinch yourself that, you know, if you had been in that one spot a second later or if the slightest gust of wind had caused that little spider to jump off that yellow leaf... I wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't have seen it?
1: No. And
0: also backtracking social media again.
1: Mm. You know, it's got its critics, hasn't it, social media? Mm. But you know, it's like a tool, like a screwdriver. A screwdriver, you can fix something, mm. or you can poke someone in the eye. <laughs> and so social media is very much the same.
0: Yeah.
1: And this is a, a positive outcome through yeah. social media. It wouldn't have occurred w- without it. Mm. So I'm very grateful to that. And so try and use social media now to... You know, to get the message out there about this and that and the other, which is what we're doing here today with a mm. podcast.
0: Yeah, definitely, and so, hopefully showing the fact that you know we're people with souls—just
1: normal people. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, abnormal, slightly abnormal people, and um, yeah, just just getting out there and link connecting with our the beautiful nature that surrounds us, and and that's it, and sharing it. So
0: Yeah, and so you've got a scientists, a species discoverer, actor. You know, military, the litter collector, the educator, are all in your resume. Life has not been dull. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you're still discovering spiders. This isn't just one spider you've discovered. You're yes, that's right. So now the tally, including two that are yet to be described,
1: and some of the discoveries have been with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tally seven now. Oh. Not, not counting. Um, there's four that I found by myself, and three were in collaboration with other citizen scientists and science students. So, so, so. Uh, one in particular was, um, well, actually the second one was in 2012 and that was on Black Mountain in the middle of Canberra. And I was on this annual walk they have um, that a society there organises. The, uh, the field naturalists, I think, organise it in Canberra mm-hmm. and it's a, a, an annual orchid walk. Through right. dry woodland on Black Mountain, mm-hmm. but ironically, the peacock spider season, roughly September, October, when it starts, correlates to when most of the orchids right. come out. And so, I'm walking around, there's no less than 70 people that day
0: mm-hmm.
1: with all the botany boffins walking around. <laughs> and I have my little tube as I showed you in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And so, I wasn't just looking for orchids, I was keeping an eye out of what was hopping around on the ground, saw a few <laughs> different jumping spiders Mm. some of which are quite plain you know black or brown or grey and then towards the end of the walk I saw this on this gravel track I saw a little hop 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 and this beautiful iridescent sort of glittering green and red Mm. I went whoa and got to my knees and all these boffins stopped I said what are you doing it's okay I've got a permit I'm just collecting (laughs) spiders and they they looked at me and sort of shook their heads and raised an eyebrow and walked off Mm. because it wasn't an orchid but um I then held the vial of the little container up to the to the light and went. It's another new species. I mm. knew it because there, at that stage there was only eight or nine species described, and I knew it was a new species. Yeah. So yep, the same old process. Told Jürgen, and he set off with David Hill to write a uh, describe it. That was named Maratus calcitrans, mm. which means to kick in Latin, mm-hmm. because when it displays it, throws one oh. one leg out to the side. That's now been found in a lot of the East Coast. Mm-hmm. That one also fits into a very important part of this story, which was um, okay, where I found Calcitrans was about 800 metres from a main arterial road in, in Canberra where mm-hmm. I parked my car at a car park. And I'd have to walk across this sort of closed, dry woodland. Mm-hmm. And if you could divide that path into three, there was, at the divides, there are these fire trails. All right. and I noticed that the first third of the walk to this spot there was I didn't see any of these spiders even though the habitat was similar mm. the second uh, part the second third was uh, there was some
0: mm-hmm.
1: but in the third part there was heaps mm. the mother load that's where I've discovered it and, and so after a couple of months I got in contact with a, an ecologist from the government there and they wanted me to show them where I found it mm-hmm. so I took them for that 800 metre walk to find the spot and we found the species. Now, when we got there, this chap gave me a a fire ecology map of the area. Mm -hmm. And um, I went, oh, there's that fire trail, there's that fire trail. The first third was prescribed burned in 2011, which is only two years beforehand. Mm -hmm. There was no spiders there. It was still in that secondary succession phase Mm -hmm. or whatever. And everything, there's still a bit of charred remnants and whatnot. The second third was burnt in uh, 1990 mm-hmm. and the, the part where I found all of them was never burnt had never been all right. so it's like wow um,
0: that's got significance yeah so I would probably suggest that these spiders don't move a whole lot They're quite... well
1: this is a good point now I'll, a lot of spiders balloon so they put a thread of silk out mm-hmm. of the, the spinnerets climb a blade of grass or a tree or whatever mm-hmm. and let the wind carry them Mm. And they can go ten meters. They can go a thousand kilometers. Mm. Some islands that pop up from volcanic activity in the Pacific have been first inhabited by spiders ballooning. Mm. That's just the way it works. But salticids or jumping spiders do not balloon. Right. They simply move out in concentric circles, mm. and um, and their colonies just and the populations just grow in that way. Wow. So if you were to burn around an area, mm. it would contain them in that area. Your little isolated populations. Exactly, little spider. pockets. And so, obviously, this was one. Mm. Um, yeah. So, at the time, I was volunteering at the Magic National Park uh, with Conservation Volunteers Australia, and I know I was sitting there one lunch break in this quiet little tea room with nothing to read, no, no idea magazines or TV Week. So there's this big, <laughs> big um book there called the bushfire operational plan Mm. you'd think that'd be a dry document so i opened it up (laughs) and there's all these columns and in all the left-hand columns there's all these areas zones with a map showing different parts of black mountain and other parts of canberra and then all the subsequent columns talked about the resources they were going to burn slash or spray or whatever Mm -hmm. to control fire and the resources the time and all that the last column on the right hand side was named ecology Mm. so i looked down that column and relevant to the area on Black Mountain where I found this spider. And in it, it said, do not burn due to peacock spider population. Wow. <laughs> and sort of the jaw, jaw dropped to the table. And I thought, wow. So my, my dis- observation and discovery had led to government taking it seriously and then changing their policy in terms of burning that area. <laughs> the only thing missing was they hadn't told me about it. I found out, I found out... Um, Accidentally, and, and it was a great thrill.
0: Yeah. So there you
1: go. It's a two-way communication thing. Um, so that's one thing I worry about in some areas is science, just using citizen science mm. and there's not a value exchange, mm. which so is very be... important to keep people interested, keep people um, functional and, and productive and happy.
0: Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah, particularly... In the way publishing happens, you know, we have these government reports that no one ever reads, we have scientific papers that sit behind paywalls that you can't access. Maybe that's why we need people also like yourself that are just communicators and the cheer squad actually making this exactly. information available for anyone that'll listen.
1: I mean, I've got at home some scientific papers, usually on spiders of some sort, and they're tough, they're tough to read. Hmm. It, you, I, t- so the whole thing, you just read the abstract. That's probably
0: about as far as I can go. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, i look yeah. at some of the pictures and the, and the, the uh, you know, identification underneath the pictures, but um, they can be very, very dry documents. Mm. So, yes, um, little sort of uh, colloquial papers are a good thing, just stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, essays, for, for, for a bit of a term. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just telling in layman's terms what, what's going on with the scientific sort of data in there, you know, the locations and the the right names and that but you know you can learn that sort of stuff
0: Mm. so we can add a conservation biologist and and fire ecologist to your resume no no no, definitely (laughs) not i mean i'm very
1: careful to to, look i i I know that people on all these tangents really put so much time and effort into Mm. to getting to that place where they are experts in their field and you know i'm like to be in the middle of the wheel and have all these little spokes or tangents i can go on Mm. And it's very, very personally satisfying, but um, all credit to all these people I work with
0: and and that. So. But, but what's next for, for Dr. Harris then? <laughs> yeah. more, more spider well, discoveries?
1: <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's interesting because last uh, spring on my spring safari where I go looking for spiders. See, every year now we, we've got to look at different habitats in different areas of Australia that haven't been the peacock spiders hadn't been found before bearing in mind harrisai described in 2011 was the eighth species mm. it's now up to 67 <laughs> that's a lot
0: yeah and and it's pretty safe to say that harrisai was a huge public awareness boon and it probably has you know kick started a lot of this discovery of peacock spiders i'd say
1: indeed but all credit to Dr. Otto because, and David Hill because their subsequent papers on other, all these other 60-odd that have been discovered mm. have been um, uh, carefully and strategically placed in media as well. So there's an awareness, you know, through various magazines, the geographic magazines and papers and this and that. So there has been some good media, which you're probably aware of, mm. of these discoveries, mm. and, and they come almost every year. Yeah. on a yearly basis, so it keeps people interested in that subject. Yeah. There's other spiders being discovered as well. You had the Bob Marley, remember the Bob Marley <laughs> eye, or whatever it is, the, what, oh, that, yeah. that, that intertidal spider? <laughs> um, and, you know, there's been other spiders, that, that old spider in South Australia that died the other day yeah. age 43. So, I mean, that story wouldn't have got in the media 10 years ago, I don't think.
0: Yeah. I mean, it
1: just seems that there is a, an appetite for spider stories these days. hmm
0: well I think, I think you'd be very proud of what you've brought to the field and what you've done for spiders in general <laughs> yeah, sometimes
1: you, you feel like a bit of a stooge or a bit of a you don't want to be ever called a pretender but I do my best and I and things of this nature mm-hmm. I mean this is a long way from home mm-hmm. it's been a long drive 2000 kilometer round trip but in this case the Guaymac Landcare Group mm-hmm. um, helped to fund my trip mm-hmm. and I put what I can into it it's a Working holiday gives me a break from <laughs> QuestCon and all the screaming kids down there. <laughs> and um, just the rigmarole of being at home all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I love, love these journeys. And obviously on my two-day trip home, I get to look for other things. Um, mm. I'm, as I mentioned to you earlier, I'm looking for a new species that escaped from me last year. Mm. Between here and, between Armidale and Mudgie. and I won't say where, but <laughs> I'll, as soon as I leave here, I'll be driving down there. All right. And spending a few hours trying to find a juvenile because they're not in colour at the moment. Okay. So, and I do have an official permit in New South Wales to collect these critters. <laughs> so so if listening? I can find a juvenile, it'll be, <laughs> I'll take it home, use those husbandry skills again to keep it alive during the uh, months of torpor, and then hopefully it'll reveal itself in the spring. All right. And that may well be another new species. But look, there's other people out there and groups of people mm. um, doing, doing work. And, um, I don't know, it might get up around 100 species, I would say.
0: And I've never actually seen a peacock spanner in the wild. You haven't? No, I've seen well, it in people's labs. So. Let me
1: say, James, <laughs> that when I came and visited uh, Kirsty Abbott, mm-hmm. your local ant specialist and, and citizen science sort of stimulator, mm-hmm. she's an amazing woman, uh, I visited her here at une a couple of years ago and i went for a little walk up the back there mm-hmm. and found two species <laughs> just in your woodland just at the top all of the right hill. just up the hill yeah, so maratus pavonis and maratus vespertilio so two species so any bit of bush yeah. um, given mm-hmm. the right technique and time and patience you would anywhere in australia would find at least two species in all suitable right. habitat and even even the new genus that i was lucky enough to Discover Seratus mm-hmm. not Moratus, because mm-hmm. its genitalia was different to all other 59 uh, right. peacock spiders at the time. <laughs> so it's a peacock spider, but it has its own genus. Yeah, okay. Because they use a lock and key system, mm. and the male and female, their genitalia was totally different to mm. all the other spiders. So that's called Serratus, Pesperus, mm-hmm. evening star in Greek. And I found that when I worked at a vineyard in 2013, an area which is sprayed, it's an agricultural zone, it's sprayed, it's mulched, mm-hmm. it's mowed. And there was this new species just sitting in there.
0: Just, so just they don't, don't get necessarily need in.
1: pristine habitat.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: And some peacock spiders do live in, in suburbia as well. Mm. So all I can say to people out there if they've got an interest is in springtime, mm-hmm. so once the wattle starts, after the wattle comes out, <laughs> things get a bit warmer again. Um, say late August through to, the bell curve sort of goes from late August, peaks in mid september through to mid-november and then drops off as they all die because they've right. all got about a one-year life cycle
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean most spiders live one or two years the big tarantulas can live up to 30 the mm-hmm. females but peacock spiders generally live approximately a year and it fits very nicely into the calendar mm-hmm. so eggs in january right through to mm-hmm. you know um passing in december january all right. The female lives a little bit longer than the male usually Look, you know, the egg sac has 10 or 15 eggs in it, and then they come out and the whole cycle starts again. Mm-hmm. So the time to look for them is September, October, November, basically. All right. So you look at the ground, you see something hopping around, have a closer look, get down on your knee, or have a little look, if you see some colour, you're possibly looking at a male peacock spider. All right, I will keep you posted. Good man. If I find
0: anything, and yep. good luck on your search. Yep. This, is this week, you have to keep us posted, see if you do find your... Your lost species? Yes. Well, again. I'll definitely give you a tingle if I do. You'll probably hear me. You'll probably hear me. <laughs> You're screaming. Eureka! I mean, there's been a couple of
1: cases where I have found them, and you go, "There's a pause," and you go, well, "What do I do?" And when I found the one at, near Tamworth, which is a wonderful story. I don't know if we've got enough time, but
0: yeah, sure. We have. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. So this is another case of citizen science doing the job. Okay, as an entomologist yourself, James, you know that one technique to find invertebrates is using pitfall traps Mm -hmm. quite a passive device Mm -hmm. and often it's what ethanol or glycerin in Mm -hmm. the bottom so when you come back later at a point in time and collect that and tip them all out on the table and Mm -hmm. look at what you've got they're dead Yep. they're wet (laughs) they've lost a bit of form Mm -hmm. and in some cases lost a bit of colour so it's very hard to say oh look that's a new species of whatever Mm. it needs to be sorted and as you know the scientific method is to very diligently document time, place, habitat, etc. Mm-hmm. And then they go to a museum in a little container mm-hmm. and they sit for there forever in a day. Mm-hmm. Now, back in 2013, Dr. Dr. Jürgen Otto went to the Australian Museum in Sydney, looked through the uh, spider collection there and found a drawer of jumping spiders where he thinks he saw a... One resembling a peacock spider which had orange flaps. Mm -hmm. And so I got a phone call. Stuart. Hello (laughs) Jurgen. Are you going on a trip this spring to look for spiders? (laughs) Yes, yes, mate. And uh, (laughs) um would you mind going to a place near Tamworth to look for me? (laughs) I've been there five times and I cannot find it. (laughs) So off I trundled in September of twenty thirteen. Again, you know, 1,000 k's from Canberra up to... Well, not quite 1,000 k's, up to Tamworth, a location just south of Tenworth called Chaffee Dan, mm-hmm. with the coordinates of this creature that was collected in a pitfall trap in 2001. <laughs> and I got there, stayed at the little cabin at the local caravan park, drove out, and it pissed down rain, basically, the whole morning. <laughs> I was thinking, like, oh, this is great. I've come all this way. And they don't come out in the rain, really. yeah. But then it cleared, tweet, tweet, tweet and the sun came out and I went for a walk up a, a fire trail scouring the ground as you do. Similar to a magpie, you know when magpies sort of walk along with their head cocked? That's what a spe- peacock spider person looks like. <laughs> anyway, there it was right next to my foot. Mm. This little orange thing. Hop, yeah. hop, hop. <laughs> and it ran across the fire trail into a gully. And so I had my camera and you you've got that choice do i collect it or do i take a photo of it Mm. not always straightforward sometimes (laughs) the situation suits photography more than collecting Mm. if your leaflet is really deep there's a chance if you go and collect it it will go deep down into the leaflet you'll never find it again or Mm. you'll you'll kill it you'll crush it Mm. so anyway i lay on my guts and uh, in the gully and got a lo and behold i didn't see the female but here's the male displaying Oh, right. in the gully <laughs> and that was a, a, a one called Maratus elephant. so um, yeah that was another new species now that wasn't my discovery that was a co-discovery of mm. Dr. Otto and of course and I still don't know who the person was collected the scientist that collected oh, right. it in 2001 but all credit to them as well yeah. and that's where three different people collaborated to a mm. successful outcome
0: I'm going to have to start bringing you along on my field trips I can never find anything <laughs>
1: Yeah, as I said to you before, small things please small minds. So yeah, maybe the, the little thing rattling around in my skull is just just uh just right for this job. But um look, there's also the uh, psychological aspects of this endeavour, you know, like looking for small things in vertebrates. Uh, mm. it's like reading a book. That's what I've been saying to people. Hey, do you like reading a book? Does it make you relaxed? Well yeah. you know, by focusing your attention and our minds human minds are always going forwards and backwards in time Mm. but just by focusing your attention intently um, it can be very relaxing and peaceful Mm. meditative in a sense
0: Mm.
1: so it should never be manic Um, when you're looking for stuff you need to be relaxed Mm. so then you start to perceive movement and it's not just the eye the eyes are just the portal for the information to go to your brain your brain after a while it becomes a filter like mm. a little mini computer and it says nah that's a grasshopper that's a, a leafhopper that's an ant because mm. they're all moving around in the leaf litter as well mm-hmm. and so you know when you've seen a jumping spider <laughs> and then you know when you've seen a peacock spider yeah. you become that good at it all right and so you optimize time and resources in yeah. looking for them Right. so yeah I suppose it is a skill and there's a few people out there with it now so good yeah, good luck to them all you're, you're the muscle you're
0: the <laughs> you've got the eye you're the expert to you go to the eye yeah cock eye yeah. yeah.
1: but um, yeah so but you asked earlier what's next well I've actually I remember when I started bird watching 25 years ago the absolute thrill and joy and almost ecstasy sometimes of seeing a new bird mm. or going on an excursion mm. or going to a new part of Australia I hadn't been to and then seeing the birds there a thrill and then with the spider tangent that started 10 years ago discovering these new things it's just amazing so now I'm I've consciously stated I'm going on a new tangent and that's Coleoptera or oh. more more specifically Buprestidae or Jewel beetles
0: alright
1: and so these are very enigmatic creatures now I went on a trip to um, the Grampians last spring mm-hmm. to look for peacock spiders with a chap from Western Australia, called David Knowles. Mm-hmm. And he's one of these classic zoologists, ecologists. Not, I don't think he's got a degree, but he's been given that title. Mm-hmm. He runs a, a school education programs. Similar to a chap I've been hanging out with in the last few days, Alex Dudley, from Kulatai, mm-hmm. who's the same. And David just, um, he just knows so much. Mm-hmm. He's so sharp. But he doesn't really market himself <laughs> in, in his current age. An old-school boffin, right? Mm. But just invaluable spending time with him. And he's into jewel beetles, and he sort of planted the seeds. And we were looking for peacock spiders in the grampians, and I was like, yeah, all right, well, whatever, jewel beetles. But we ended up finding five new species, not new species of moratus, but new to the area in that little three-day trip last Mm. year. And the local ranger there, David Hanscom, is now a very keen peacock spider. And he's found a (laughs) new species... another species there himself Calcitrans that I found on um, discovered in Black Mountain he found that in the Grampians (laughs) and so you know in a very short time we added to the body of knowledge of you know invertebrates or peacock spiders in that area
0: Mm.
1: but um, yeah so that's he planted the the, now I don't know why it happened I think oh no it's because at Questcon at the moment we've got a a display on called colour Mm -hmm. in the top gallery there It's all about the eye and the brain and and colour. But in this colour exhibit is a big table, similar to this one here, um, a glass table from the Australian National Insect Collection, Mm -hmm. which shows all these butterflies and dragonflies and beetles, which are really Mm colourful, so people can get off on the the colour of nature. And in there are jewel beetles, Mm -hmm. which are stunning, stunning things. And you see all these little scientific labels underneath them. Some are like from the 1940s and 50s mm. they hold their colour for a long long time
0: yeah
1: and um so therefore you can actually find them when they're actually deceased mm. just lying under things so but these the thing about these uh ironically again like orchids and peacock spiders jewel beetles are most active in the spring and summer <laughs> so here i am declaring i'm getting into it um at the end of summer and uh, i've just got to wait now All and, right. until uh until a lot of flower more flowering occurs and Things like tea tree, eucalypt, they live in colitrus, you know, um, things of that nature. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So, I'll be looking at the ground for peacock spiders and at the understory for, <laughs> for beetles. So,
0: right, well, I'll keep my eye out for yeah. new beetle discoveries. <laughs> I think there's like 1,200 species. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, that have been described?
1: Yeah. okay. Yep. And... Um, I think it's yeah some big families and big big groups in there, mm-hmm. and they range from five millimeters through to seventy millimeters. Oh, it's a fascinating okay. story, and someone wrote a, a, a paper on, on or a, might have been a paper on this in Western Australia where stubbies or beer bottles were thrown yeah, on the ground. Have you heard good. of this? Yes, and the male jewel beetles were seen aggregating or clustering on these beer bottles, trying to have sex with them because the beer bottle the the colour. And the sheen and the little uh, perforations in it are similar to the elytra or outer wings of mm. of a female jewel beetle. Well, that's just mind-blowing, isn't
0: it? <laughs> Is this you trying to combine hobbies and beetles and stubbies? And yeah, I'm well, <laughs> I don't actually... I like wine, so I don't actually
1: fancy beer, so yeah, I, I won't be very good for that pursuit. But um, And other things like the larval stage of, of a jewel beetle, I've heard a story from an expert that... Um, There was a story once of uh, uh, wood from America Mm -hmm. which was lumbered into and then exported to Australia, was then turned into furniture and the timeline was 51 years where this larvae emerged from a piece of furniture and a jewel beetle came out. (laughs) The expert i was spoken to saying between one and eight years they will stay at the larval stage inside wood, inside Mm. a tree, and then emerge when conditions are favourable when there's rain they're they're very rain dependent
0: Mm
1: -hmm. so um, you know it's fascinating nature isn't it yeah and so I suppose as a citizen scientist I can go on any tangent I want but if I can give advice to anyone it's to pick a particular tangent in nature Mm -hmm. and and really go down that path talk to people read some of the literature Mm. get a field guide (laughs) and 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 really explore that tangent then if you've got the time and energy maybe diversify a bit
0: all right, well, that's a good, good take-home message to end yeah, on. Yeah, Let's yeah, yeah. Just get good out there and do it. All right. I'll let you, I'll let you hit the road. Yeah thanks, the <laughs> yeah, thanks, James. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been yeah, great. My
1: pleasure, and lovely to talk to you and, and, uh, and your viewers, or your listeners. <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And we'll be in touch. Yeah, See that's mate. great. Thank you. you
0: and right. thank you guys for listening. If you want to listen to it some more, make sure to subscribe, leave us a review. Check us out at in situ and we're at in science on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network, aeon.net.au.
1: A-E-O-N.